healthcare is such a broad field, and I think oftentimes as students, we tend to kind of pigeonhole ourselves, and we only think about kind of the delivery of medicine in the form of, you know, physician. When did you know or how did you know that you kind of wanted to be on the more research or business side of it? Yeah, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a great question. So after graduating from undergrad, I went to a small school in Pennsylvania called Franklin and Marshall and was fortunate enough to be one of just a handful of people that were selected to join a training program at a company called, at the time was called SmithKline Beecham, which is now known as GlaxoSmithKline. And that okay. program really exposed me to many of the different sort of facets facets of the pharmaceutical side of the business from research and development to sales and marketing and having mm-hmm. gone through that two-year program where I really, uh, where my interest really uh, uh, laid was really on the on the sales and marketing side of the, of the business and since since that first two years of that training program some 30 years ago, I've been, I've remained on the sales and marketing side of the pharmaceutical industry during uh, uh, during that entire period of time. Mm-hmm. And, and what to you is the best part about being on the sales and marketing side of the pharmaceutical industry? What do you enjoy most or find really fulfilling or rewarding? Yeah, it's it's, it's a great question, Hannah. I, I think for me it's the opportunity to really get very involved in seeing that the seeing the impact that your drug has on patients. I think that for the last fifteen years I've been much more involved in uh, orphan uh, orphan okay. drugs, and I can talk a little bit about if 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 we need to for your listeners what an orphan drug is. But sure, sure. orphan orphan drugs really allow you to get very very close to patients because orphan drugs are sort of defined as a patient population. It's defined by the FDA as anything less than a hundred thousand, and so if you develop a drug for an orphan disease, which again affects less than a hundred thousand people in the U.S. You get mm-hmm. special dispensation in terms of more rapid review for the regulatory review process. You also get some application fees waived. But what I like most about the orphan disease space, which is the space I've been in for the last 15 years, is you really mm-hmm. get to see firsthand, because these markets are relatively small, you really get to see firsthand the impact that your drugs actually have on patients' lives and, as an mm-hmm. extension, patient families as well. Yeah, and what are kind of the challenges associated with trying to develop therapeutic products for these really rare conditions? Yeah, I think that the the challenges of drug development, whether you're talking about an orphan disease or a non-orphan disease, mm-hmm. I think the, the challenges of developing these therapies are are the same. And it's really just the, mm-hmm. the probability of success. Now, most drugs go through uh, three phases of drug development, phase one, phase two, and phase three. And when you look mm-hmm. at the probability of success of drugs in phase one, making it all the way to market, it's probably less than, than 10%. As a drug moves from phase one to phase two, that probability goes up to probably 30%. But then once you get to phase three, the probability is still probably somewhere around 50% that the drug will make it out of phase three successful and eventually okay. make it to market. And when you overlay those probabilities with the very high cost of drug development, I'm sure you probably have heard that mm-hmm. the average amount of money that it takes to develop a drug is probably somewhere in the range of $250 million. So sort of when you layer on 
the, the, the cost over those probabilities of success, the, the challenge is really to sort of identify, try to identify early on based on the drug's mechanism of action, which okay. of those drugs in phase one are going to be in that 10% that will eventually make it all the way through to, to market. And that's really, I think, where the, where the challenge lies. Mm, okay. And it, what is one of your proudest professional achievements in this area? Is there kind of a memory or a story or a particular drug that sticks out in your memory for any reason? Yeah, great question, and, and it's a very sort of recent example. I would say my proudest professional achievement is, is the job I have now. So I'm the, the chief executive officer of a small biotech mm-hmm. company called Dova Pharmaceuticals, and I think what makes me most proud about this opportunity is that really in less than a year and a half, this company has gone from a one-person company that was private mm-hmm. that was undergoing these phase three trials that I talked about all the way to now a publicly traded company with more than 120 people at Nova Pharmaceuticals with now its first approved product generating revenues. And so to think about all that we as an organization, not me, but we as an organization have accomplished just in a very short period of time, less than a year and a half, I think it it leaves me feeling very, not only very proud, but also very Mm -hmm. humbled as well. Yeah. Yeah, and can you give me an idea of how much kind of collaboration goes on between the people concentrating on R&D and the people like you focused on the um, the sort of marketing and and kind of being the face of the brand? Is there a lot of crosstalk between the two parties? It's a it's a great question, and I think that's actually something that the pharmaceutical industry has has really struggled with for many, many years. I think that what you see is that the level of collaboration is inversely related to the size of the organization. And by that, I mean, at a company like Dova, our people on development, on the development side and the people on the commercial side are in regular dialogue with one another because there have been countless examples. And let's talk about the sort of cost of drug development and the probabilities, which I mentioned earlier. There have been countless examples in the pharmaceutical industry at large companies where a drug was brought through from phase one, phase two, phase three to the tune of several hundred million dollars. And yet once the drug hit the market, the market, the, the, the product essentially failed because the product never achieved the revenues that it needed to recoup that initial investment. And I think that's, those are, and there's many examples like that. I think the root cause for why that happens is because occasionally in larger organizations you don't have that sort of close collaboration. So development may be off developing a drug, but unless you bring in the commercial side and the marketing people early in that drug development process, you may find yourself in a situation where the drug gets developed, but then the marketing people basically say, well, there's really not a, a market opportunity for this uh, for this product, and therefore you find yourself in a situation where you're never able to fully recoup that hundreds of millions of dollars that you spent on drug mm. development. 